0: Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, why not check out our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thank you. Uh, Lovely to be here. I can see you guys at the front very well and you guys at the back. Not quite so well. So if I'm doing a bad job and pull rude faces, I won't see them other than those at the front. But uh, it's a delight to be here. Um, baptism is always such a just phenomenally exciting environment to be in. It's, uh, it's a Declaration of heart, affection for God—that's what it is. When people baptise, it saying, "My heart, affection, is towards God," and I don't want to go public with that. It's also a declaration of vision and a sense of purpose, what I'm now living for, um, because that's what baptism is a declaration of. It's also a declaration of hope—hope hope for a greater future, hope for what is beyond just what can exist on a daily basis—that can feel sometimes really empty but it's also a declaration of resistance. Baptism is a declaration. It's a choice to say, I'm foregoing a whole bunch of stuff because of a choice to live in a particular way, to go after Jesus in a particular way. So what we're witnessing here today is people who are making a declaration of their heart affection to say, God, you know, I wanna say that I love you. This declaration of vision, life on purpose, a declaration of hope that there is so much more to live for and a declaration of resistance. There's a, uh, hopefully a PowerPoint of Talitha. Talitha is a 17-year-old. Uh, she's in Central Asia, can't say exactly what country she's in. And the reason is because the country that she's in, to make a public declaration of faith, to publicly um, demonstrate her faith in getting baptism, actually means that she is rejected from her family. It means that her parents will disown her as their daughter, because she is making a public profession of following Jesus. Now, when you see baptism in that context, a 17 year old making that decision to say, Jesus, you are worth it. I don't know about you, but it provokes you, doesn't it? It makes you think, well, is he really worth it? Why is he worth it? And baptism really asks us that question. And young people have been writing to Talitha from across the UK, encouraging her in her faith and saying how her public declaration has really encouraged them as well. Uh, back in March, I had the privilege of returning to, uh, to Iraq, to northern Iraq, um, also known as Kurdistan, and uh, heard the wonderful story, a testimony of faith of Marie. And she was 20 and she had encountered Jesus in that context. And she wanted to publicly declare her newfound faith in Jesus. And so she was musical and she composed this musical piece that she put out on TikTok in order to declare to her friends on social media what Jesus meant to her. And hopefully we've got a short clip that will come up now. just wonderful words certainly of this encounter that she's had with Jesus and uh, she put that on a Friday two weeks before I got to Iraq the sad part of the story is that on Sunday she was shot dead by her 17 year old brother overseen by her uncle because her faith in Jesus her public declaration for them brought shame on them as a family and because he was 17 in her shooting her dead he couldn't be prosecuted because of the law I don't know about you but when you are in a place and you're meeting people and hearing that story. You ask the question: What's the reality that they're living for? And is it worth it? What does it challenge me with? Last video, well, it's not a video. I won't show you any video because it's too traumatic. But this is Deborah. Uh, Deborah is from northern Nigeria. She's 19. Uh, she's doing exams. And, uh, you know, I've got a son who's doing exams at the moment and all the stress and anxiety of that. And she was in a WhatsApp group with friends uh, from her school. And in that WhatsApp group, somebody said, you know, Deborah, what is it that's got you through these exams? And she said, Jesus has got me through these exams. She was dragged from the classroom. She was beaten with stones and sticks, unconscious and set alight in the school grounds and died. That was a week ago on Thursday. Now that's a pretty horrific story, and I'm not saying it to sensationalize reality, but to not tell you the reality is to sanitize something that is just not real. The world we live in has a lot of pain and suffering. But for Talitha, for Marie, and for Deborah, they had such a conviction of faith in Jesus that they were willing to go public, they were willing to declare their faith knowing that it was really costly. And the question it asks us is why? And we may struggle to compute with these stories as as they can feel so far removed from our reality. But they highlight to us that following Jesus and baptism, which is a sign of our commitment to Jesus, way of life, is more than merely a novel religious symbol. It's a matter of life and death. And for Jesus' first followers, they knew this reality. They understood that faith was costly. They understood that the declaration of love, faith and hope was also a declaration of war, a war against everything that stood against the pursuit of happiness and a life that had meaning beyond itself. A war that was not just against self-interest, but also against the source of that self-interest. And Matthew, Mark and Luke, they tell us the story of what happened after Jesus' baptism when he goes to the desert for 40 days and we read of how he was tempted. He's tempted by what the Bible describes as the source of evil, called the devil. And he's tempted to self-sufficiency, he's tempted to deny God, he's tempted to reject God's ways and God's standards and to accept the devil's solution which is to find his identity and his purpose through surrendering to him and through being in control. There's a guy called Ignatius and, uh, and he wrote years ago, he wrote that um, baptism is a renunciation and rejection of Satan and all of his works. He said, the enemy acts like a false lover who wished to be hidden and does not want to be known. When the enemy of our human nature tempts a just soul with his tricks and deceits, he wants and desires that they be received and kept secret. And he's saying that baptism is this declaration of resistance against this. There's a Quaker back in 1836 it's called John Wilkinson. and He said one of the artifices of the devil is to induce men to believe that he does not exist. Some of you who may be fans of the Usual Suspects and Kaiser Soze has this kind of line in that, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he doesn't exist. It wasn't an original Usual Suspects statement, sorry (laughs) to let you down there. But it provokes the question of spirituality and reality and part of the battle that we're in. And in the contemporary world that we're in, we're all too sadly aware of cover-ups, aren't we, of fake news and the absence of integrity in authority. And Jesus highlights many times that these realities are anchored in the existence of evil and he refers to the existence of the father of lies and deception. And Jesus stood out in his context because he had integrity and because of his authority, because of the truth that he represented. And he called time on what was fake, even in the religious world. And he called people to wake up to reality. And baptism exposes reality. And this exposure is an opportunity for all of us to be awoken today. Woken out of whatever malaise is threatening to numb us and dumb us to living baseless and broken lives. That's what Jesus brought the challenge. Guys, don't just live for emptiness. Wake up and live for reality. And some of us here, maybe you've never witnessed a baptism. Maybe you've never been exposed to such bold declarations of faith as you're going to witness today. For others of us here, maybe you find that your faith is being reawoken as you are confronted by this reminder of reality of people who are willing to go public with their faith. Maybe it provokes us to say, how am I living in the way of Jesus in my day to day? And do I need to reawake to the reality of who Jesus is? And Jesus knows how easy it is to become diluted, to become uh, deceived and distracted. He understands the battleground and he understands the nature of the opposition. Jesus endured, as I said before, 40 days of opposition, being tempted to choose another way, an alternative way to forsake his faith, to distrust God and to forsake God's path for him. But Jesus endured. Jesus overcame and he encourages us to do the same warning us that what is at stake is a matter of life and death. And loads of the letters from the New Testament writers are written to those who have set out on a journey to follow Jesus, but have encountered along the way challenges. And often they haven't been prepared for those challenges, and sometimes they're not even aware that that the situation that they're in is perilous. And Paul writes to to Christians in Corinth to make them aware of what is going on. And what is at stake in to encourage them about the God of comfort? I'm just going to read from what, 2 Corinthians. Hopefully it should come up on screen as well. This is Paul. So I'm going to read the whole passage just because it's just so rich and it may speak to you in different ways. But Paul says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort. And maybe you need comfort in some way today who comforts us in all of our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. So for those of us who have known God's comfort in our lives, it is so that we can be present in everybody else's discomfort and bring them peace. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort. And Paul is saying almost that he's enduring challenge. He's enduring stuff so that they will be comforted, so that they will encounter Jesus. And Paul writes to Timothy, one of his kind of young apprentices, and says, Timothy, do the work of evangelists, share Jesus boldly with others and endure suffering. He's almost saying that actually in the process of sharing Jesus with other people, there can be pushback, there can be challenge, as you've heard from Talitha, Marie and Deborah. It can be costly to share our faith. But the reason Paul does it and the reason he encourages us to do it is because there is this comfort that we have in knowing God, in who he is, that actually is the source of comfort for the world that is around us. Verse 7, our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our suffering, as you will also share in our comfort. And what he's saying there is that no matter what situation that you're in, though it may feel costly, though it may be suffering, actually there is a comfort which is lifelong and eternal and enduring that we share in. And I could tell you so many stories of people around the world who are enduring suffering, but there is more joy in their lives than often I find in my own. Because they know the God of comfort in their situation, they're committed to him. Verse eight, we do not want you to be ignorant brothers of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. There's a reality check there. Paul is saying his experience of following Jesus. It's costly, it's tough at times. But he goes on. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. I mean, that's pretty big language isn't it it's describing just how tough it was for him but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead but that was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God who raises the dead just lovely description of faith and confidence there Paul's reflection is that his experience was, had led him to a greater place of trust in God, a trust that is absolute, a trust that filters life experience through the lens of confidence in God. And this is the outworking of baptism. Baptism is an external sign. It's a symbol of an internal reality, a reality which is about an awakening in life to live in and through God's power and his presence. Baptism is a doorway into a way of life that requires us to daily walk in intimacy with God, in daily commitment to lay down our lives and instead to trust in and to rely on God, to be daily made alive in God. Baptism is not a one-off situation. It's the pattern of daily life that each day we live, not relying on ourselves, but relying on God. And what we will witness here today is not a religious symbol but people being made alive, alive to God, alive in spirit, alive in hope, alive for all eternity. The shackles of death, of guilt, of sin, of separation from God being broken. This is a life altering day for those of you who have been baptized. And maybe for some others of us here today as well, this could be the beginning of a life altering moment. And it's so important that we recognize and we remind ourselves of the good news. Jesus did not give up his place of eternal safety and security and suffer a horrific death and separation from his heavenly father for the sake of symbolism that may strengthen the more sensitive in society. We live in a society where we have lost trust and faith in everything. Human nature as evidenced by police officers, by politicians, by priests, by profile personalities. Sorry for the alliteration overdose there. It's revealed itself as untrustworthy. And we're more conscious than ever of our frailty and of the fragility of life in the midst of COVID, in the midst of war. Particularly Ukraine, it brings it closer to home. Actually, people all around the world are dying in huge numbers. But Ukraine feels closer to home. And so it hits us harder. And Jesus stood out in such a culture 2,000 years ago. When Jesus began to reveal who he was, people were amazed. People were amazed he stood out. He spoke and he acted with authority. His character and his credentials matched. He was remarkably different. And he came with a message, turn from sinful self-indulgence, which leads to death and surrender instead to your heavenly father that he may give you life. That's what baptism is a celebration of. It's a declaration of this exchange of death for life. And it's an invitation to us to surrender death for life. Ignatius wrote how in every confession, there is a renewal of our baptism, renunciation and rejection of the schemes of the enemy. For Ignatius, the moment of baptism was the beginning of a movement of daily reliance upon God and daily resistance upon evil. And didn't Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, the prayer expresses this daily walking out of just pursuit of God and resistance of what stands against that? In Mark 13, Jesus four times says, Stay alert, be alert, stay alert, stay alert. And because he knows the challenges that we face to stay awake and to stay alert. And in times of war or crisis, our values, our behavior, our priorities, our rhythms, our patterns, even our diet are different. Meeting people around the world who literally every day, they don't know where they're going to live the next day. The way that they live is completely different because they are dead to the world. Jesus identifies the battleground is to stay alert, to resist what needs to be resisted, and to remain in him and to rely on him, to not lose sight of the good news of forgiveness of sin and new life in him. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I get so distracted by all of the things in the world, by the appeals to be more busy, more productive, more successful, more attractive. The constant rhetoric, you are not enough, you are not enough. And I find myself either clamoring for things that represent earthly security and success or being defeated and living with a sense of failure and opting out. But God in his goodness and his kindness allows circumstances that wake us up to reality that cause us to recognize and reprioritize what matters. So that we rely not on ourselves, but on him. And I have the privilege of working with Christians around the world, living in the most hostile and costly environments to follow Jesus. Places where you can be thrown in prison for possessing a Bible, executed for being in a church setting or for publicly declaring your faith, as we've heard. Abducted for belonging to a Christian family, restricted from educational and employment opportunities because of your Christian identity. And it's my privilege to work with these Christians because they remind me of what matters, of what is at stake, the value of the good news of Jesus Christ. They highlight the reality of life and death and they reawaken in my heart vision, hope, resistance, affection for God and i encourage you if you're not connected to the context of persecuted christians to connect there is a slide that may come up that you can use a qr code or i've got some of these later if you want to just because when you connect with the stories they're so rich and so inspiring so i want to tell you one final story of wang ming dao wang ming dao was a chinese christian back in the 1950s and he was put in prison uh, because of his uh, faith in Jesus Christ and his wife was I think we've got a picture of them both and uh, He endured just horrific torture I won't go into the details of it for about two years to the point that he was utterly broken just broken in body broken in mind and uh, He just agreed to to renounce his faith in Jesus because he would just totally lost Just you know his brain had been mushed by what he'd faced and uh, they were him and his wife were released from prison. They were out of prison for about nine months. And in that nine months, he regained his physical strength, his state of mind. And he realized, I've just made the most horrific decision in my life to let go of Jesus for earthly security. And so he went back to the officials and said, I, I renounce my renunciation. And they took him back to prison for 22 years, 22 years in prison. I don't know about you, but that is, that's costly, but for him, his vision of Jesus was so compelling and I was chatting with a friend of mine this week who's spent time with Wang Min Dao and, uh, and he was telling me how one of his conversations with Wang Ming Dao, he said, you know, what would you advise us in the West? And Wang Ming Dao paused and he said, he said, build yourselves a cell. He said, I lived in a cell for 22 years that was so small, but he said, when I was locked in in that cell, I was locked in with Jesus. He was ever there to comfort me, ever there to strengthen me, ever there to give me vision, ever there to give me hope, ever there with an affection of heart. He said in the West, you live just so distractedly, build yourselves a cell where you are locked in, just you and Jesus, that you may know how good he is and the influence that will come through that intimacy with him. The air that we breathe in the world around us is aggressively promoting self-sufficiency and hyper-individualism. And if we're not locked in with Jesus, we'll find our values, our morals, our lives becoming subject to the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age. And rather than setting people free, we ourselves become enslaved. And baptism reminds us of what is at stake. It exposes us to the opportunity to be reawoken, to reality and to recommit to the radical christ-centered and other-centered call of the gospel jesus bore the cost because of his love for us and it's our love for him and for those around us that is demonstrated when we live counterculturally, when we share jesus no matter the cost and it's not as much so much about overcoming fear as overcoming self through surrender Why is it so hard to surrender self-interest in order to share Jesus or to pray or to read our Bible? It's because the battle that we face is not against flesh and blood. Baptism reminds us that our faith will be contended for and we need to recognize the fight and we need to lock ourselves in with Jesus. We need to prepare, we need to train. There's so much at stake. The cost is too great not to. So baptism is not just a religious symbol, if you thought you were here for a religious symbol. And this talk is not just a religious sermon. Baptism gives us an opportunity to encounter God and to recognize reality and respond. And I hope that my talk has added value to that today. So thank you. We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. Why not come along and visit us? We gather at three services across two sites on a Sunday and meet during the week in small groups across the city. More information on both of these can be found on our website. Thanks for listening and God bless.